Hi, my name is Fiona Zeiger and you're listening to the Migration Podcast. In a 2016 referendum, the British public voted to exit the European Union. Xenophobia played an important role in the outcome of that vote and a lot of that antipathy against migrants was directed towards Eastern Europeans. Eva Alexandrova lived and worked in the UK during that time and in the wake of the Brexit vote began writing her book, protesting the notion that Eastern European migrants in the UK were merely transient workers. Welcome to the Migration Podcast. Today we have a guest with us who is also an old friend of mine. We've known each other for a few years. Her name is Eva Alexandrova. Uh, Eva, you have worked as a policy manager at the Open Rights Group. You worked for Asylum Aid and a number of other NGOs or civil society organizations in the UK. Um, so welcome to the Migration Podcast. Thank you very much. Hi, Fiona. Hello, everyone. Very happy to be here today. We are going to speak about a book that you recently wrote, which is titled Here to Stay. And in this book, you speak about Eastern European migrants uh, in the UK. You will tell us a little bit more about the book uh, shortly. And I think before we go into what, what it was that you uh, wanted to write about, the, the, the story that you wanted to tell us, I noticed that in this book you were wearing different hats uh, at once. On the one hand, it starts with a personal story, your personal story, migration stories included, but you also have, uh, you're also a trained researcher, you have uh, been active in policymaking, you're a practitioner and you also are uh, an activist. So I was wondering what got you to write this book and how did you decide on the angle and tone you eventually decided to take when writing Here to Stay? First of all, thank you for inviting me to speak to your podcast, because I really wanted to talk about the migration aspects of the book. As you said, I've been I've worked in migration for over 15 years now, and most of this time it has been, although I myself as a migrant, it has been in a professional position of uh, analyzing trends and processes and also trying to come up with uh, policies and increasingly in the last years to also ensure migrants are very much part of what I do in terms of policymaking. The book, however, the book is about my experience in the UK and the last maybe 10 years, the last decade. So I came to the UK in 2008 and this uh, was a very, and, and the next decade was very sort of tumultuous and, and very a lot of things happened and a lot of things related to migration happened. And from someone who was in a sort of privileged position of having professional and educational background, with Brexit, I felt personally and the people around me as a target and as a target because of my migration background. So all of a sudden, this became very, uh, very personal. And so the book traces this experience both from how I saw it and also from uh, what I was doing as a, as a migration analyst, as an observer of migration. So it includes the changes that I saw take place in British society, starting very much with Eastern European arrivals uh, in the UK, uh, with the enlargement of the European Union, 
these are the first major sort of arrivals. There are some uh, Polish and Russian migration before that, Russian Jews, but the large scale uh, migration arrivals to the UK start with the Eastern enlargement. And then it traces sort of also the, um, the rise of anti-migrant sentiments in general in the UK, the rise of yeah, anti-migrant politics as well, the financial crisis and uh, the then uh, policy of austerity that was introduced after the crash and how this affected both migrants as well as those groups in society that are also most vulnerable and most uh, excluded and how the political narrative used the migrant group to be uh, in confrontation with the other. So it created this sense of competition for resources, which uh, worked very well. And, and it's one of the factors behind the Brexit vote. And the book sort of ends with, with Brexit and, and with the referendum and also with the new changes with regards to the immigration status for Europeans. So um, to go back to the question, what got you to write this book? Was there a particular moment where you felt you have to sit down and and you know put words on paper or what drove you actually to to say okay now i'm going to sit down and i'm going to write i think the main driving factor behind this book was the fact that throughout this period i felt like everything that was being talked about eastern europeans wasn't representative of my own experience wasn't representative of the people around me that i knew that were eastern european I really felt this lack of voice and lack of, I wasn't hearing what I was experiencing. I wasn't hearing anyone talking about it. And uh, it took a while for me to decide to write a book about it. I mean, I kept writing, I kept talking about it. You mentioned I was an activist. I was very much involved with the left at the time and with uh, trying to sort of persuade people why this is important and why migration and Brexit are really intertwined and uh, why the left should stand firmly behind migrants and migrant rights. I argue in the book, and I very strongly believe this both on a personal level and on a, a professional level, the migrants very much need to be part of the stories that our societies tell. They have a place in them, they have a voice in them, and they, their representation makes everybody uh, stronger. And it's interesting because this week is happening, the International Migration Review Forum in New York, which is the big sort of event on in the migration space where the Global Compact on Migration, which is the main international agreement on migration, uh, non-binding, but still, uh, most comprehensive agreement on migration globally um, and a lot of the a lot of the conversations and a lot of the still demands from migrant groups and my art are about migrant participation and migrant participation throughout the whole process in in the research process in the policy making in the design and implementation of uh, interventions and um, and I feel that's very much needed and this was one of the two, yeah one of the reasons why i wrote the book because i wanted to start telling these stories tell me a little bit about the conception of eastern europe what what do we talk about when we speak about eastern europe yeah i think that's a very uh, on point question because it's quite um broad concept and i looked 
into sort of more academic uh, literature on this. And it's quite interesting. An anthropologist called Larry Wolf basically this, uh, presents this model in which Eastern Europe is very much talked about as the antithesis of Western Europe. Um, and, and it's at the same time Europe, but not Europe. And this can be traced to way back historically when Europe was very much divided uh, on a different sort of axis, more like North and South Europe. Uh, so Italy and the sort of Italian city-states were presented as this civilization with their achievements in art and uh, trade and architecture. And at the same time, threatened by the Northern European tribes and the Germanic tribes, so they created this image of uh, the uh, civilized and the barbarians. And that's been a very powerful image that has remained very much in, in, uh, in European sort of mentality. And this changes. Uh, so during the time of enlightenment, this geography of who is civilized and who is barbarian shifts. And, and it becomes very much the civilized is the Western Europe, France, Italy, um, uh, Germany, Britain, and the barbarians are sort of the people on the East and um, with the Slavic tribes. And later on with the, with the Cold War, this image is very much solidified in, in especially in Western Europeans, people's minds. And the behind the Iron Curtain, there is this sort of like gray zone and they obviously are Europeans, but not really because they belong to a different political system. Ironically, with the fall of the Iron Curtain, this doesn't change. And it doesn't change largely because these countries remain sort of opaque and distant, but they're also poor. And that's a very critical element in, in, in this continuation of the, the vision of Western Europe as the civilized and Eastern Europeans as the barbarians. And that, and that is also very much seen and was very much seen in the way British media portrayed Eastern Europeans. Uh, and there were uh, all these stories about like uh, Eastern Europeans who ate the uh, ducks in St. James, the swans in St. James's Park. And that story was ran about 20 times and it's never actually been proven to have happened even. Then there is also the story of this fisherman who put a sign, uh, no Eastern Europeans allowed. Um, and he was very adamant that, you know, he's never had problems with anyone else, but since these Eastern Europeans came, you know, they're stealing his fish and he's convinced that it's Eastern Europeans. So it's quite um, interesting how this, this image of sort of inclusion and exclusion at the same time is always there uh, with regards to Eastern Europeans. Who are the, the people you spoke to, the different people whose paths you crossed and worked with and interviewed uh, for the book? Who are the people you're writing about? So initially I started writing this book about the, the idea was to focus on my own experience. I hadn't uh, thought about interviewing other people. But gradually, as I started working and thinking about it and talking mostly about it to other people, I realized that there are so many interesting and fascinating stories. And, and I decided that I want to include uh, at least some of them. 
And because this is not necessarily, I mean, it's not an academic uh, book. This is uh, the aim of the book is to open conversations and to kind of provoke people to thinking about some of its issues. So the stories in it are not by no way representative or claim to be representative. They're just different people that I thought uh, that I met along the way. And I thought it would be really interesting to have their stories because these stories aren't that often heard. And it was interesting, Alena, one of the um, other Bulgarians that I interview in the book. So I interview Camilla, who is uh, a Polish filmmaker, Dana, who is a Romanian artist, Alena, who is uh, also um, activist on the left. I interviewed Sonia, who is an architect. I interviewed Irina also. She's very interesting. She's a Bulgarian actress who worked for many years in the UK as, um, as a cleaner. So you interviewed mostly women or only women? Yes, I, there are the stories of a couple of men in there as well, but the interviews were with, only with women. Again, that wasn't sort of how I set off to do it. But again, being very conscious about how also in migration quite often uh, women take the back uh, back seat, sort of somewhere halfway. I decided that actually it would be interesting to just focus on women and their stories and their perspectives. Many of the women in the book also came to the UK because, including myself, actually, we came because we were looking for this different type of society and politics. We were looking for progressive politics. We were looking for a space where issues like social justice and uh, rights are discussed and are being sort of at the center and tolerance and acceptance is very much at the center. So it wasn't just material. Many of us did look for this uh, sort of, I guess, imagined reality of the UK as a very open and a very uh, egalitarian place where migrants can make their way regardless of where they're coming from. Um, in what ways are the stories of the women you interviewed and the men you talk about as well, in what ways are they illustrative of the broader experiences of Eastern Europeans in the UK? I think in some ways they are. I think some of the kind of binding themes between these different experiences are uh, the sort of really hard work and the understanding that nothing will be given to them for granted and also the the expectation this, this, that this wouldn't be the case. Everybody who came knows that, uh, you know, we had to work much harder than uh, people who are already there. You had to prove yourself um, and you had to give your best. And, and you can see this from, you know, people who worked in arts, people who worked in uh, construction, people who worked in cleaning. Everybody felt that as a migrant, you really have to uh, prove yourself. And that's something that's across the board um, I think also uh, something we've, I think we all wanted to be part of this society. And I think that's, I wouldn't say that's representative of everybody who came, uh, everybody from Eastern Europe, but there is a particular um, group of people and they're not particular in the sense that they belong to the same group, but they all we all wanted and we all see the UK and saw the UK as, as the place where we are now living and, and saw ourselves as part of, uh, of that society and wanted to be very much part of it. So the title of the book 
So here to stay, the title reads uh, like a plaidoyer for Eastern Europeans' presence in the UK as part and parcel of Britain's social fabric um, and even its history. So based on what you have witnessed, how do Eastern European migrants reflect on their belongingness in the UK and how does this articulate also with um, their ties to their respective home countries? I think one of the beauties of and one of, for me, one of the most important aspects of the European Union is the right to free movement. And I think it's a very fundamental right, which on the one hand side makes the European Union real for people. This is, it's not about politics, it's not about goods, it's not about services, it's about people. And, and, and free movement transforms the migration experience of people because you arrive with a set of rights that you didn't always have before. And also because this sort of drama uh, and pain of separation, because migration quite often is tearing the links with home and with families, this isn't so intense anymore because people have the ability to go back and forth because it's legal, it's allowed, and it's acceptable. Um, and I think from, and, and, and this is very important for, I think, the migration experience of many Eastern Europeans that arrived after that. And that's quite different from the ones that people who came in the early 90s had to deal with. Um, and I think, I think um, many people saw, as I said, saw uh, themselves as, as part of British society. I don't think many reflected necessarily on where they belong and, and where they're going to, uh, you know, have their kids or when the children grow up, where are they going to go? But I think this sort of dual belonging, you maintain your links to home, people travel back and forth very often. And yet they are, they are in the UK, their lives are there, their jobs are there, parts of their families there, many of their friends are there. I think Brexit ruptured that very strongly. Or I don't know what the right word for this is, but yeah, Brexit essentially ruptured that, that duality and that uh, sense of belonging. Uh, it made us doubt that we are accepted, that we are welcome. And, and I think it will be interesting to see going forward how people feel about this in, in a couple of years' time. On the other hand side, the truth is that many, many, many Eastern Europeans who were in the UK have left. This was partly Brexit, partly the pandemic and the loss of jobs, but it's also a reflection of this sort of lack of belonging. They didn't, when, when, it, when things became hard, they went home. And, but uh, at the same time, many, many um, millions, I think it's over 3 million uh, Europeans, including Eastern Europeans, have applied now for the settled status, which means that, that many of us, many will, will, will remain there. It is interesting that I think there is a change in also perceptions in British society. Earlier on this year, there were quite a lot of supply chain issues and uh, delivery issues. And there was a sense of realization in UK society and UK media that actually, you know, the, a lot of Eastern Europeans who used to do that are not there anymore. There were interviews where they called the drivers who had worked in the UK and they were like, would you not come back? And they la laughed. They're like, no, we're not coming back. You know, you chased us away. Why would we come back? 
So I think there is still a lot of uh, bad feelings. We'll see how things play out. I think, yeah, I think it remains to be seen. But I do, as the argument of the book is, Eastern Europeans as, as a migrant group are there to stay in the UK. And, um, and they, yeah, they can be very much part of that society in, in, in all meaningful senses, not just people who do the jobs that no one else wants to do. Thank you very much for joining us on the Migration Podcast. And we'll include a link to your book in the description. Thank you very much for having me and for all these interesting and insightful questions. Eva Alexandrova is the author of the book Here to Stay.